Amen. I didn't know your pastor liked giving pressure like this. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus and give him a shout of praise. Give God a shout of praise. And lift up your right hand as a point of contact with the Holy Spirit and thank him for Sunday to now. Thank him. Thank him from Sunday to now. And thank him for what he said to do tonight. Lift up your voice and give him praise. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you. We give you all the glory. Yagaboko sabandi bahanda la bahanto se reka boko se badi bahanda la boko tese reka tole be sabandi boko la bosi anaraba reka bali bro se grede ketele behanda bosi badi bahanda basunde yagaboko sagala la bahanda sa iko sabre da bahando saba keep your right hand up. Spirit of God, we thank you. We thank you from the beginning of this conference till tonight. We thank you for grace that has been poured forth. We thank you for revelation that has come forth. We thank you for diverse encounters we have had in your presence. Thank you, Spirit of God, most especially for tonight. Thank you for your help tonight. Thank you for our trans tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you confirm your word in the lives of your people with testimonies. Be glorified, Holy Spirit, as you use me as a vessel of honor to be a blessing to your people. Have your way through me as you touch your life, the lives of your people and glorify your name in this place. In Jesus' matchless name, shout an amen. amen. Shout a better amen. amen. I didn't say whisper an amen. I said shout an amen. All right, let's put our hands together and take our seats for the Lord. Amen. Once again, I want us to celebrate our conference host and our pastor. Put your hands together for Pastor Dan and Lady Thema. Thank God for their lives. Great people. Amen. He's such a good man. Amen. I said your pastor is such a good man. Praise God. The pastors and the pastors, there are some of the people, they are hirelings. Hirelings don't care about the flock. Praise God. But because I have a heart of a pastor, when I meet a pastor, I see one. Praise God. He's gifted in diverse ways, but he has learned to pastor. Praise God. And I want us to give him the due honor and the due respect that scripture demands that we give. The Bible says, render unto all men. That which is due them, honor to whom that is due. Shall we put our hands together once again for our pastor? Amen. Always pray for your pastor and be a blessing to your pastor at every opportunity. Amen. Okay, so I want to celebrate the leadership also. For standing with him. This church has a great team. Almost everything you do, there's a team, strong team that is running it. 
And I think it's very beautiful. Let's put our hands together for it. The choir sings in a team way. The camera crew in a team way. Even the hospitality team is a team way. Praise God. Everything is a team. Praise God. Yeah. I have enjoyed my time with you. They've taken care of me very well and I am very grateful. Put your hands together for everyone that has helped my state to be joyful. Amen. The conference is on and it's going to be super from tomorrow. Why? Because the later glory shall be greater than the former. So you want to still invite someone who is yet to hear about it and come along with the person. Praise God. Come with me to Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 31. I'll be reading a couple of scriptures today. So, just bear with me and follow me. This is a foundational scripture which I've been using since I started teaching. Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 31, the New Living Translation. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in, a pep, in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. Somebody say live in luxury. At his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. Poverty, go ahead, was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here. And no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home for five brothers. And I want them to, I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse number 8. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Sorry. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. King James, he said, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Somebody say, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Turn to your neighbor and say, You have started this conference. You must end it. It is better to be here tomorrow, tomorrow next, and Saturday or Sunday. Praise God. Sunday morning, Sunday evening. That's what the scripture is saying. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. But in the context of better is the end of a thing, I've been teaching on how to end well in life. Somebody say how to end well in life. Everybody desires a great end in life. Most times, people don't start well in life. But even when you have not started well, when you have not started well in life, you desire to end well in life. And the Bible says, though our beginning be small, Job chapter 8 verse 7, thy latter end shall greatly increase. So God's will is for us to have a great end. You will have a great end. I said you will have a great end. 
you will have a great end. And the account we read gave us three categories of people. Two of them, one is Lazarus, the other is a rich man, and the third one we said is Abraham. Lazarus had a very great end, but a poor life. He lived a life that was surrounded with poverty. Nothing good was available in his life. But when he died, things were fine. The rich man also lived a very good life. Everything he wanted was available. Lazarus was his, the order of his day. But when he died, his end was bad. But when Abraham also came in, Abraham lived a very, very successful life, a very blessed life. In the book of Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, the Bible said, Now Abraham was old, well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. Genesis, Abraham was old, well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. The end of Abraham was that Abraham lived a very good life. And I told you that God's will and purpose is for us to live a good life. Somebody say, God's will is for you to have a good life. God's will is for you to have an LG product in your house. Life is good. Send your way say, life is good. May life be good for you. After this conference, life will be great for you. Somebody shout a better amen. Okay, so we said that God's will is for us to live a good life. In the book of John chapter 10 verse 10, he said, The thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that you might have and enjoy life, life to the full, until it overflows. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has only one plan, and his plan is for you to do well. That plan will be fulfilled in your life. I said that plan will be fulfilled in your life. When we take a walk through scripture, we see people who started life well and ended well. Abraham was one. Paul was one. And there is a man that we zeroed in on. That man was David. So we are going to continue from where we left off last night. Come with me to 1 Chronicles 29. Verse 28, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 28, the New Living Translation. This is what the Word of God says. He said he died at a, at a ripe old age. Somebody say a ripe old age. New Living Translation, please. He died at a ripe old age. Having enjoyed long life, you will enjoy long life. I said you will enjoy long life. Listen, when I say you will enjoy long life, I'm declaring a word of prophecy over your life. There are people who can speak to you and say you will see the end of the year. It's a curse. Praise God. And just as you do tofiakwa, when somebody says you will see the end of the year, when I declare from the word of the Lord to you that you will enjoy a long life, your amen must show it. I said you will enjoy a long life. I was preaching in church about two weeks ago, and after the service, I was just declaring blessings over God's people. And I was just pronouncing nobody would die before the end of the year. One of our guys who works with uh, uh, one of those new months, new month in Sunyani, uh, Kenya, he comes to church every weekend with his family. He comes to church every weekend with his family. He lives and works there, but he comes. Praise God. He had come and he was returning. In fact, he had gone to Sunyani. He lives in Sunyani. And then he was driving from Sunyani to Kenyasi. And then a road he plies every day, that very week, 
While on the road, he said he doesn't know what was happening. He was just playing some gospel tunes in his car. At a, at a moment, he just could not tell what happened. He just lost control of the vehicle. His car began to skid left, right. By the time he realized the car has some, some assorted countless times. Praise God. As often when we close, remind me, let me show you the picture, the image. The car somersaulted. He said all he had, all he could say was that Jesus saved me. And he said, at that instant, he felt a hand cuddling him in the car. He said, all through the season, all through, the car somersaulted countless times. But a hand cuddled him in the car. By the time he realized he was out of the car, nothing happened to him. People saw the car and they were surprised. They were surprised. They were surprised. He had come to church. They've been married for about three years without an issue. God visited them and gave them a child. And he had come to church Sunday to throw a party for uh, the children in the church to celebrate his child's birthday. And then the Monday, Satan had plotted this. But while the word of God was being declared, the angels of God went forth. That's why I declare to you, I stand on this exalted altar, and I declare to you, just as you have seen the beginning of the year, you will see the end of the year. We will not bury anyone in this church. In the name of Jesus. When Christmas is given, demonic activities increase. Praise God. It's a time where we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan will want to also attack Praise God. Seasons always matter. You remember when it was season of Easter? That's when they arrested Peter and kept him in prison. So demonic activity sometimes can increase at certain seasons of life. Praise God. Accidents are common almost every time. But when Christmas is coming, they seem to multiply. Why? Demons are released. And no demon release. Any blood-sucking demon, any death-desiring demon, they shall pass over you. In the name of Jesus, the blood mark shall be upon your life. And when they see the blood, they will pass over. In the name of Jesus, Apostle Paul was speaking. He said, Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a mark on you that prevents accident from touching you. The Bible said, David died in a ripe old age. Having enjoyed long life. Four things that are mentioned about David. Ripe old age. Enjoyed life. Full of days, riches, and honor. You see, sometimes people go through life, they live long, but they don't enjoy it. Sometimes others also enjoy it, but their life is bereft of honor. And there are those who also enjoy it. Most times you can find people having even the three. They live long. They have wealth. They have honor. But the moment they die, all they fought and lived for is thrown in shambles. For you to get this four pack, eh, it has to be the blessing of God. That you live long. You enjoy the life. Your life is full of honor. There are people who are called honorable in our land and they chase sweet 18s and sweet 16s. There's no honor in that kind of life. Praise God. If a man lived a life of honor in his death, it is shown. 
There are people when they die, even in their old age, look at Bill Cosby. Great entertainer by all standards. Entertains so many people. But he had no entertainment from within. That's why the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. The one who was making people laugh, himself needed laughter. That's what led him into Look at a man about 80 years old. If they jail him now, have they jailed him? I've not followed it. They've jailed him now. Now, is he coming back alive or he will die there? Nobody knows. I can only pray that he gets saved there. Praise God. Old age. He's not broke. If you are looking for a man who is broke, that's not him. But where is his life? His honor. Everything he lived for is God. The Bible said David died in a ripe old age. Full of riches. Wealth and then honor. And when he died, his legacy was not tainted. Praise God. His legacy was not tainted. The name David is highly valued among the Jews. When they hear King David, everybody stands in awe of him. A man whose name, a single individual whose name, whose star has been placed in the middle of a whole nation's flag. That's a significant life. Praise God. Highly significant. Go to Jerusalem today. They see the city of David. Praise God. Amazing. How? Certain secrets he engaged. Praise God. So we started learning about David's life and how he ended the way he ended. We have already established that we all want to end well. And if you want to end well, we must learn from the right people. Praise God. When you go to secondary school and you want to end with good grades, there are people you associate with. There are others you don't associate with. Praise God. There are certain people when you identify with them in school and God does not help you, you may end up carrying something you didn't want. Praise God. I know some of my mates in secondary school who are mad. And I was with them, but for the grace of God. Praise God. Secondary school was tough, wayward, all kinds of things. There was virtually nothing I was not involved with. Praise God. But Paul said, when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, I did not confer with flesh and blood. Praise God. It's so important we appreciate where we stand with God. We said that David was not a perfect person, but he ended well. And so I tell you, you are not perfect, you will end well. We said David didn't have a great start, but he ended well. Your beginning may have been porous, but your end will be glorious. Can somebody give me a believing amen? And then we said David did not end well by chance. He ended well by choice. Somebody say he ended well by choice. David made specific choices. And there are too many of them. But in everything, there are foundations. Praise God. There are foundations. Some things are paramount. When you go to school, there are courses. There are elective courses and there are core courses. When you pass, you fail the elective courses. No matter how many core subjects you pass, you are still a failure. Praise God. So there are elective courses and there are core courses. And in David's life, you will see elective courses and you see core courses. But last night, we started laying a foundation of the things that made David David. What made David David was his heart for God. Somebody say his heart for God. His heart. He had the heart for God. Anything about God moved David. 
If church was about God, it moved David. Singing was about God, it moved David. Anything about God moved David. Everything. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. He said, a day in thy court is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That was David. His heart was always panting after God. You hear him cry in the Psalms. In the Psalms, as the deer panted after the water brook, so my soul panted after thee. He said, Oh God, thou art my God. Early I will seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longed for thee. That was David, a man after God's own heart. A lot of people come to church, but we don't come chasing after God. We come chasing after a wife. We come chasing after a baby. We come chasing after a job. So after one year, we don't get it. After two years, we don't get it. After four years, we don't get it. And our commitment to God begins to waver. That was not David. David was glued to God in the good time and in the bad time. David was committed to God through thick and thin. David was all out for God. Everywhere David was. Paul said, what shall separate me from the love of God? Why? David's affection was fixed solely and squarely on God. In the book of Psalm 91 verse 14, King James, Psalm 91 verse 14, the Bible says that because he has set his love upon me, because he has set his love upon me, because he has set, somebody say he has set. Say he has set. And I told you that your love can be set like a watch. Somebody say a watch. When you set your watch on a particular time zone, that's where it will be. You can set your love on God or set it on sports. You can set your love on entertainment or set it on God. But when you set your love on God, there are things to show it. Praise God. And we walk you through a few of them last night. Tonight, I'm going to take a step further. Praise God. And it's all coming out of this love. When love is set, there is something that follows. When your love is truly set on God, there is something that will also follow. Praise God. In the book of Matthew 6 verse 21, he says, for your heart will always be where your riches are. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Your heart. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. Somebody say my heart goes after my money. Say my heart goes after my money. Anywhere your heart is, that's where your money goes. Anywhere your heart is. David set his affection on God. And David used his affluence on God. David set his affection on God and David used his affluence on God. Praise God. Tonight, last night we set our affection on God. Tonight, we are zeroing in on using our affluence on God. Using our wealth on God. A lot of people want to live long. A lot of people want to do well in life. But usually we live with misplaced priorities. We live with misplaced priorities. The Bible talks about the book of uh, Haggai. And he was talking about he was talking about how 
everybody was concerned with something for himself, but I left God. Something that was dear to the heart of God. Everybody was busy. Minding their own business while the business of God was abandoned. Praise God. I pray that tonight our priorities will be set aright. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? David was restless. I pray from tonight you'll be restless. I pray from tonight you'll be restless. David was restless. Restless. Now, let's, let's just do First Chronicles 29. I'll read it and then I'll set the tone for it. First Chronicles 29 verse 20, verse 1 to 3. 1 to 3. Let's do the King James. Oh my God, my God, my God. First Chronicles 29 verse 1 to 3. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom, Lord, whom God alone had chosen, is young and tender, and the work is great. Somebody said the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Verse 2. Now, moreover, I have prepared with all my might. Somebody say with all my might. I prepared for the house of my God, the gold for the things of what? Gold. And the silver for the things of silver, the brass for the things of brass, and the wood for things of wood, on stones, stones set to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. David said, I prepared. Now he's telling us the reason why he prepared. Go to verse 3. He says, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. Yesterday, I spent my time dealing with the heart of David. Today, I'm going to focus on the house David built. The house David built. David gave his heart to God and he gave his affluence to God. His wealth to God. David gave his heart to God. And that demanded that he raise up a house for the Lord. And David did it. Praise God. Look at Psalm 132 verse 4 to 5. Psalm 132. This is David. Before I come to my main text, before, look at that. Psalm 132 verse 4 to 5. This is King James. I will not give sleep to my eyes, nor slumber to my eyelids. Now please take notes. There's somebody who says, I will not give sleep. Let's go back. I will not what? Uh -huh. If you are sleeping, David says, don't give sleep to your eyes. Push your neighbor and say, don't give sleep to your eyes. He says, I will not give what? Sleep to my eyes. Neither slumber to my eyelids. That, that connotes restlessness. Somebody say restlessness. Have you ever been in a place where you are trying to sleep and sleep is not coming? That was the state David was in. Why was David restless? Was he restless because he wanted a visa? Was he restless because he wanted a baby? Was he restless because he wanted to buy a car? Was he restless Was because he wanted a healing? Go to verse 5 and the Bible tells us why he was restless. He said, I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to... Until I find out a place for the Lord. A habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. I will not rest. Until I find a place. 
I won't stop giving. I won't stop praying. I won't stop tithing until I find a place for the Lord. I pray that that zeal not to rest will come upon the saints. I pray that that grace will come upon the saints. In the mighty name of Jesus. The question is, who gave David the task of building the temple? Did anybody ask David at all to build anything for God? And that's what we want to look at. You see, things don't just happen in life. Things don't just happen. Don't just look at anybody and think that they are just privileged or they are just lucky. I don't believe in luck. I believe in light. The Bible said the entrance of his word brings a light and brings understanding. Light brings you direction. When there is light, you know your way around things. When there is luck, you can't tell how you came by something. But when something is produced out of light, you can produce it again and again. David became the man he became because of these core things I'm sharing with you. I will not give sleep to my eyes. It's a personal commitment he made. We are not talking about a corporate effort. Thank God for corporate effort. Thank God for corporate givings. But there are some of us that God has so engraced and empowered that if only us, we can make a commitment that I am not going to give sleep to my eyes. I'm not going to rest on my horse. I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to do anything great for myself until... I have secured a place for God. This project we are on will be completed in no time. Am I communicating somebody at all? That is what God is talking to us tonight about. He said, I will not. Let's come to 1 Samuel and let us see. I want you to work with me because, you see, those, there are many things I could tell you about David, but these are fundamental. These are the things that made him. It made him. It made him. And it shall make you also. I said this, I make you also. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 1 to 16. Long passage, but stay with me. And let's read it together. Make sure that everyone around you is awake. Because you see, God is shifting this church into a new zone. You see, when you, are, you, when you start the project you have started, eh, it's not every time you are in church and a new project starts. You have to be very prophetic. Because once you are able to psych yourself, and put yourself in the flow. By the time the project of God is over, your own project will be completed as well. Am I communicating? I don't know how it will be done, but God has a way. God has a way of caring for the things of those who care for the things that concerns him. Am I communicating? He says, seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all other things you need shall be added unto you. I see strange additions come into your life. I see strange favors added into your life. In the name of Jesus. Watch it. By the time we finish, as many as will tap into these things God is sharing with you, and you will live accordingly. By the time we finish, within in a record of one year, you'll be surprised at what God will do in your life. I prophesy it to you as a servant of God. In a record of one year, God will make you a showpiece to yourself. In the mighty name of Jesus. Watch it. Give me the New Living Translation. It came to pass. When David, the king, was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from his surrounding enemies. Look at verse 2. Huh. Let's read it together. One go. The king summoned Nathan, the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace. But the ark of God is out there in the tent. Now look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Beautiful. 
The pastor of David did not announce they were building a church. David, an ordinary king, the priest did not come up with the idea of building a church. Thank God for your pastor who can conceive a vision to build a decent place of worship for God. But David by himself said, I want to build a temple for God. Temple for God. An individual. The kind of heart he had for God. The priest didn't announce it. And you, the priest has announced. And you are still very lousy about it. The priest has announced, but you can't be bothered. The priest has announced, but you are still occupied with your own things. Look at David. Verse 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have on your mind for the Lord is with you. Why? Because, you see, for pastors, people who help us in the assignment God has given to us, eh, they are great assets. The moment he said it, because... For all you know, this man had been dreaming about it for a long time. He's concerned because that's his job. That's the place where he worships. So when he comes to the church and he sees the place, everything is shambled, the ark is in disarray. He was concerned, but he didn't have the capacity. Praise God. Because his business is fasting and prayer. His business is to give himself wholly to the word and to prayer. Ours is to go make the money to advance the cause. Am I complicating here? We must understand our roles in the kingdom. Now, Solomon's temple, which I actually don't believe is Solomon's temple. I'll come to it. They call it Solomon's temple, but I believe the actual builder of the temple was David. And I will show you before we close. Praise God. In that temple, there were two pillars. One pillar was Jochebed. The other was Boaz. Boaz symbolizes business. And then Jochebed st stood for the priesthood. Praise God. These two pillars are vital for kingdom assignments. We need them. Praise God. People who will not let pastors pray about money. Do you know your pastor will be most anointed if he wasn't praying about money? If he doesn't think about where money will come from to build this house. Where money will come from to do this. When the money issue is sorted out, eh, your pastor is the most anointed preacher you can ever have. When it's sorted out, he said, relax, I'm going to do it. Do whatever is in your mind. The man was so interested in having a decent place of worship that he didn't even wait to pray about it. He said, go ahead and do it. But when he went, verse 4, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. everything I'm going to say is linked here, so follow it. Because uh, he says, but the same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go, go. verse 5, Go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? Now, please follow this reading closely because, you see, it's amazing how God responded to the offer to build him a house. And then, after the temple was built, how God came to dwell in it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Somebody offered to build a house for God. God said no. When he finished, God came and dwelt in it. So sometimes it's as if God himself, he doesn't know what he wants. Praise God. Now, go to verse number six. He said, I've never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I've always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling place. Go to verse seven. 
be fast for me. Yet, no matter where I've gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Go to verse 8. Let's read it together. One go. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. Say it aloud. I Verse 9. I have been with you. Let's read it together. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have destroyed. And I will make your name as famous as anyone who has lived on earth. Continue. Verse 9. He says. And I will provide a homeland for my people. Planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Even nations will, will, will not oppress them as they have done in the past. Go to verse 11. Please follow, follow, follow. Let's go. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a dynasty. Go. Go to verse number 12. For when you die, Good. Good. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne. God said, one, I don't need a house. But after David gave the proposal, he went and considered it carefully. Why? Because, you see, you can't decline an offer from someone who is affectionately after you. David was a man after God's own heart. So when he spoke, God gave audience. And he said, I'm going to choose somebody to take over and do this business. And that person is going to come from your house. Go to verse number 14. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct him. And discipline him with the Lord like any father would do. Verse 15. But my favor, please take note. My favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul. Whom I remove from your sight. Verse 16. <laughs> Kingdom will continue before me all time. And your throne will be secured forever. Praise God. Praise God. God did not just come and tell David this. Oh, it was something that provoked this. Praise God. It was an action David took that brought this into a reality in his life. A lot of people believed Solomon built a temple. But I believe that it was David who built the temple. Because you see, building any building begins with vision. The person who can envision it is the one. When you look at Tema, a lot of contractors were part of putting Tema together, Akosombo together and all of those things. But the vision came from Nkrumah. So we call it Kwame Nkrumah Akosombo Dam. Is that not what we call it? Why? Because he conceived the vision. He used Ghana people's money to build it. But he was the one who conceived the vision. David did not just conceive the vision of the building, but he also made provision for it. He's the one who made every provision available. I've read the scriptures. I'm here to meet where Solomon was raising an offering to build. I remember that when the building was completed, Solomon raised, received, gave an offering during the dedication. 
but during the building and offering, I didn't have not seen an offering raised by Solomon. Why? Because David made enough resources available. Let's see that. First Chronicles, and then we'll read that. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. He said, Moreover, 29, verse 3, King James. Moreover, because I have set, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above. Somebody say over and above. Over and above. Between now and December, somebody must give over and above. Receive grace to give over and above. Receive grace to give over and above. Some of us may have made some pledges, 1,000 a month, 2,000 a month, whatever. But God is calling us in this conference. If you are going to move and shift to another level, we need to be ready to go over and above. Receive the grace to go over and above. I said receive the grace to go over and above. Have you seen that we like to go? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Have you seen we like to quote, give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. They are only provoked by over and above dimension of giving. May the grace to give over and above come upon someone. Receive the grace to give over and above. Over and above. Over and above. Listen, everyone can use his money for one of two purposes. One, you can use it for earthly purposes only. Earthly purposes. And in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we are told how people use their money. He says, charge them, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, King James, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Somebody say to enjoy how to enjoy is on one plane where you are using your resources to enjoy. You buy yourself a nice car, you buy yourself a nice house, you buy yourself a nice shirt, buy yourself a nice shoe. You are enjoying for yourself on the earthly plane. But he says, Go ahead, first Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 down to 18. Verse 18 says, He said, Tell them that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. But beyond enjoyment, he says that they do good, that they be willing to communicate, ready to distribute. Praise God. There are those who go beyond enjoyment to distributing. May you become a distributor. I said, may you become a distributor. Have you seen, maybe you've not observed, but have you seen that retailers and wholesalers are not the same in terms of income? Every time, wholesalers always have more money than retailers. Praise God. When you are a kingdom distributor, when you are a kingdom wholesaler, God gives you much more. And I pray that in this house, kingdom distributors will be raised. May you become a kingdom distributor. In the mighty name of Jesus, be willing to distribute, ready to communicate. Now, when you go to verse 19, he said, laying up for themselves. Laying up. Somebody say, laying up in store for themselves. Say, laying up in store for themselves. A good foundation against the time to come. Two places. There are people whose money only answers on earth. There are others, their money answer in heaven. They lay up for themselves. Jesus was speaking. 
And it's as if he and Paul were in agreement when he said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. But lay up treasures. There are two planes. You can lay treasure on earth. You can lay treasures on the heavenly plane. And you lay treasures on the heavenly plane when you invest heavily in the kingdom. Somebody say heavily in the kingdom. Say heavily in the kingdom. Heavily in the kingdom. Heavily in the kingdom. When you lay up treasure on the heavenly plane, it answers. Praise God. It answers any time and any day. You know, the weight of blessing can, no amount of riches can equate the weight of blessings. The weight of blessings. Blessings weigh far much more than riches. Somebody say blessings. They weigh far much more than any amount of riches. The Bible says, the blessing of the law makes rich and has no sorrow with it. There are people who are rich, but they are not blessed. But when God blesses you, riches attend to you. I see riches attending to you. I say riches are attending to you. Give me a believing amen. Give me a believing amen. Wise people invest. Not only for earthly relevance, they invest for eternal purposes. They invest. They invest. They invest. Four amazing rewards. God. Building God's house with your resources guarantees. Four amazing rewards. And that is basically what I want to share with you. Four amazing rewards. I want you to know that you are in the finest phase of your life. You didn't hear what I said. I said, I want you to know that you are in the finest phase of your life. You are in the finest season of opportunity. Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he wept. Why? Because they did not know the hour of their visitation. This is your finest hour of visitation as a church. And by the time I walk you through this four, there are too many of them, but I'll touch on four. So I close. Four outstanding, amazing rewards. God guarantees only for those who are sold out and building his house. 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 Kaboko Shabaha. The first one is supernatural prosperity. Somebody say supernatural prosperity. Say supernatural prosperity. You see, we have natural prosperity and supernatural prosperity. There is wealth. That is entrusted. And there is wealth that is earned. There is wealth that is entrusted. Wealth that is earned. One is earned. One is entrusted. When God entrusts you with wealth, you see yourself as a steward. When you earn your wealth, you see yourself as a possessor. So tithing is difficult. Giving is difficult. You see, you, you lack understanding. You see yourself as a possessor. That was what happened to the foolish fool. The wise, uh, the, the, the rich fool. He said, see this great. See, I have a lot laid out for me. I'm going to live. God said, well, I want you to know who actually owns it. When I take the life, we will see whether you'll be able to own what you say you own. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Haggai, God went after the pockets of his people. He went after their pockets. You don't want God to come after you. 
Praise God. You see, people, some people say, oh, I don't believe in tight. If you don't believe in it, it's your problem because whichever way you will tight, either to the devil for curses or you tie to God for the blessing. But by all means, someone will take the money because you, you own nothing. The Bible said, naked we came, naked we shall return with nothing. The Bible said, what is it that you have you didn't receive? A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. Everything you have, you brag about my money. Listen, you have the audacity to say your money. Dead people don't talk about their money. Some of them, they don't have money. They have mansions. But they can't mention my house. They can't say it. Why? Because they are dead. People who have stroke and they can't speak, they can't even mention my car. My, the, opening their mouth to talk is a difficulty. When God gives you life and he blesses you with any material thing, handle it with very serious care. Praise God. Anything you hold so dear to your heart, you let go come after it. Anything you hold, anything, 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 anything. When Abraham had Isaac after 25 years, he was just dreaming. In his dream, he would see Isaac. Every time, he could not live a day without picturing Isaac. I'm sure he could call the child and just cuddle him and tell him, oh, you are the one that we've been waiting for, awesome child. God said, Abraham, you see, this child I gave you, now you are following after the child instead of me. Abraham, take him. The Bible said he picked him. And then when he offered, God said, Abraham, now I know. I am your great reward and your exceeding great reward. That's how Abraham's destiny was secure. Praise God. Abraham had been called and had given a promise of blessing. But do you know it did not become a sure blessing until he offered Isaac. He said, now I know you fear me. Surely in blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying. Before, before, it was not surely. It was just a promise. It may come, it may not come. But when he did what God wanted him to do, God said, surely in blessing. Whether demons like it or not, I will bless you. Whether witches like it or not, I will bless you. Whether your family is strong or not, I will bless you. I want you to see this as your finest of opportunity of entering into sure blessings. May you enter into sure blessings. Somebody give me a believing amen. amen. Give me a believing amen. amen. The first amazing uncommon reward is supernatural prosperity. Supernatural. The Bible said the blessing of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow with it. That's supernatural. Praise God. Supernatural. Supernatural. By reason of my work as a pastor and by divine privilege, I've had an encounter to meet people who are very, very wealthy. They have substance. Men of substance. Praise God. And sometimes when I'm through listening to them, I'm just excited for the gift of Christ. Praise God. With all they have and the unique problems they also carry. Which poor people have no amount of in their lives. Praise God. The Bible said the blessing of the Lord. It, when God blesses you, he, he has no sorrow with it. When you go to uh, uh, First Timothy, you will see that those who become rich by themselves, but not the blessing, they also accompanied by a lot of sorrows. First Timothy. He said, Godliness, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. He said, Godliness with contentment. King James, 1 Timothy 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. 
Then he says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Then when you go now, he said, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many hurtful and uh, uh, many foolish and hurtful lusts, which destroy men, which uh, yeah, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now go to verse uh, nine. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which were men coveted after. They have air from the faith and pierced themselves through with how many sorrows? How many sorrows? How many sorrows? When the blessing comes, how many sorrows accompany it? Zero. The blessing of the Lord make it rich and adds no sorrow with it. All you have, maybe 1,000, but you sleep soundly. All you have is just a small kiosk, but you are very much at peace. Am I communicating somebody? You are not carrying any strange disease whatsoever in your body. May God preserve you in the name of Jesus. The Bible talks about durable riches. It said, wealth gotten by vanity shall diminish. There is wealth that diminishes and there is wealth that increases. When it's supernatural, why? Whatsoever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. When God blessed Isaac with wealth, the Bible said the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he was very prosperous. Anytime the blessing comes, everything happens continuously. After this building is over, you will enter into the zone of continuous prosperity. Continuous prosperity. Shout a believing amen. Shout a believing amen. Nehemiah chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 22. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, King James. He said, and he answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, The God of heaven will prosper us. 2, verse 20, please. He answered, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and be. Who are those who are going to be prosperous? No, who are those who are going to be prosperous? It's not those who confess prosperity. I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. In the morning, I am blessed. In the evening, I am blessed. Listen, you can confess all of that and you'll be walking like a pauper. The God of heaven will prosper us, we, his servants. So what we are doing, if it's one Ghana, let it be there. If it's ten Ghana, let it be there. If 20,000, let it be there. What the, and let me tell you, God knows everybody's capacity. God knows everybody's capacity. Now, some of you, you are operating. He's giving you, the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is required. You want pastor to call you because maybe he has an idea of your tithe to tell you, brother or sister, can you increase your offering? No, God is already talking to you. Because he gave you much, you must know that he's expecting much from you. When people are bringing 5,000, we don't expect 5,000 from you. When people are bringing 1,000, you are not 1,000 candidates. When people are bringing 200, you are not 200 candidates. And if you are also the type who must bring 100 and you bring 10 Ghana, God knows it. To him, much is given, much is required. I'm not complicating here. God knows everybody's size. And he says he will prosper those who will rise up and build. And then he goes on, but he said, by you, who will not be a part of the building? He said, you have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. I'll come to this. He said, you have no right, portion, or memorial. Somebody say memorial. Somebody say memorial. First is prosperity. Somebody say prosperity. How did David end? He died in a good 
old age, full of days, riches and honor. He enjoyed long life and wealth. Why? Because he built God's house. Do you know that, did you see that Solomon didn't even ask for money? David had so much money, he didn't see the need for it. He left so much money, he didn't see the need to ask for money. But God knew that he had given him an assignment to build. So he said, I'm not sure God even gave him the the money because of the assignment. But God understood that having made him the wisest among kings, if his wisdom will be appreciated, he must also be the richest. But the money was not necessarily given to him just to build the temple because David made abundant supply for the temple. Am I communicating somebody? Abundant supply for the temple. Abundant. Number two, supernatural favor. Somebody say supernatural favor. I'm sharing with you things you can buy. I'm sharing with you things you can earn from a university. I'm sharing with you things you can get from a business school. I'm sharing with you things that are supernatural. And when you are a spiritual person, you are mindful of supernatural things. Supernatural things. Favor, 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 favor. This thing called favor, what is it? Favor is when God decides to do for you what he doesn't do for the average person. Favor is when God decides to set, suspend the rules and the laws. Establish traditions for your sake. Favor is when God suspends all protocols in order to give you audience. Favor is when God intervenes in your matter. And he says nobody will sit down until your horn is exalted. And I pray that the favor of God will hit someone's life. I pray that the favor of God will distinguish you. They say, let's bid for contract. When favor is there, it is not your presentation that makes it. They don't know why, but we just feel like giving it to you. After this conference, after the building project, as we invest in it, that dimension of favor will be your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Supernatural favor. Listen, don't be deceived. God does not handle us the same way. I said God has not handled us. What? Where we read, if you follow the first reading I did, he said, I will not take my favor from you like I took it away from Saul. So, God treats people in a certain way. Don't think we are all the same. You know, we are all the same. You see, when you think like that, people who think we are all the same, they treat people in a very wrong way. We are not all the same. Praise God. You are not the same as your mother. You are not the same as your father. You are not the same as your pastor. You are all not the same. God is not a respecter of persons, but he respects people's choices. When Abel brought an offering that was acceptable and excellent, he decided he would go for that one. God doesn't settle for just anything. He, He has a choice. God is the most fastidious being that ever existed. So choosy. He has a choice. And there are things when you do, you make God choose you. He said, David, I found him because he's after my heart. I took my favor away from people, but I won't take it away from you. Church, may you not lose the favor of God. Listen, there are things, listen, there are things you can lose in life. You can lose money. You can lose some things. But when you lose favor, you have lost a, a very important asset in life. When favor is gone out of your life. Because you see, in life, we don't succeed by strength. 
is not of him that will it, nor him that run it, but God that showed mercy. He said the race is not to the sweet. The battle is not to the strong. Bread is not to the wise. Riches to men of understanding. But time and chance happen to them all. Who controls time and chance? David said, my times are in your hands. God is he who removes kings and sets up kings. When you are in favor with God, there is no human being who can disfavor you. When you enter favor zone with God, there is no lie from the pit of hell that can stop you. I'm sure that when the God's favor took Joseph and he wanted to crown him as a nurse, poor two farmers have come up with the accusation again. But it was too late. A man who had been accused as a rapist before in Ghana, you have been charged with criminal charge. There is no way you can become a president, let alone any government appointee. But this one who was a stranger, this one who was not part of the lineage of the Egyptians, God handpicked him by favor and make him the second most important person. Look at a woman by the name of Esther. Born in a home where nobody was significant. Lived in a place where she was, a, she was that was not her origin. But when favor hit her, all natives were suspended. All protocols were suspended. I'm telling you, when God steps in your matter, everybody can go to sleep. And I pray that in this building project, we will provoke unusual favor upon our life. We will provoke unusual favor upon our life. In the mighty name of Jesus. This thing we are talking about, provoking God's favor through, but the things we do for God, eh? It's not, and particularly when it relates to building the house of God. It didn't just happen in the Old Testament. <laughs> there was a scripture I was reading, but I'll read it to you anyway from this translation. But I'll give you the message. If you have the message Bible, when you go home, read that version. Amazing scripture. Give me Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 6. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 6. Luke 7, 1 to 6. The New Living Translation, please. Luke 7, verse 1 to 6. New Living Translation. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum, verse 2. At that time, the highly valued, somebody say highly valued. Somebody say highly valued. Highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. Highly valued slave. It was, if he had said his son, I would I'll not be surprised. If he had said a wife, very much concerned. But a slave. Highly valued slave. Slave. And this man needed an intervention. Look at this. <laughs> Go to verse 3. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. Send them. Send them. Listen. When you are in crisis as a member in the church, eh? And there are things you do in the house to make the house function. When pastor stands and he's speaking to God about your case, it's different. Am I talking to somebody? I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. We love everybody equally. But when you are, listen, when we come to prayer, do you know that we have come before the court of God? He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his court with praise. God is called the judge of the whole earth. So he has a throne. And when you go to the court of law, it's not about uh, your brothel. It's about the substance of your case. The Bible said, bring forth your strong lawyer. 
It's not about how eloquent you are. If the thing you are saying is not in consonance with the constitution, you will lose the case. No, be so. It's not brothel we win. It's almost a norm that every lawyer must hear brothel. But there are some lawyers, they are not too good, but they win cases. It's a substance. The way you make your argument. Am I communicating to somebody at all? That is it. That is it. There are some people, as a pastor, when I bring their case before God, their case is too strong. Their case is too strong. God must act. There was a man who was told by a prophet, one of the sharpest prophets, that he was going to die. He said, set your house in order. God has told me, as you tell you, you will die. God has told me, set your house in order. The man looked at his life and the things he has done for God, he, he, he didn't see that he should die that way. Because he knew that when you set your affection on God, long life must be your portion. So, you see, that's why no matter what any prophet is telling you, know the word for yourself. Am I communicating here? He says, thank you, prophets. I thank you for your prophet, but I think I know this God. The offerings I gave, I didn't give to the church, I gave it to him. The tithe I paid, he's the one I paid it to. Let me go and face him. So he turned to the wall. He said, Baba, sit down now. Now, so you don't teach person. What I don't do. Your work, I don't do. Giving, I don't give. Now, so you won't kill me. What I do? Praise God. God saw that the man was speaking sense. He, 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 for him to be very assured, he used the same prophet. If God could have told him, you are not dying. I've changed my mind. But for him to be very assured, he said, God told the prophet, after he had gone about three hours away, he told him, drive back in the traffic, go back to his house. And when you go, tell him that I'm the one who said it, I've changed my mind. Who said God cannot change his mind? God changes his mind. God changes his mind. God changes. Now listen, this is the man. This is the man. Who presented his case before God. Good case. God could not tell him. Good case. Good case. His investment in the house of God. His sacrifices. His toil. His givings. Painful givings in the house of God. He said, you don't kill me. This gentleman that Satan wanted to kill. Eh? If God, God will not let that happen. There are some people, if they die in the church, it's not a major challenge. But that guy. He must leave. I say he must leave. He must leave. He must leave. May you be that guy. May you be that guy. He must leave. Where is he going? I could have okay. For the way. <laughs> I've been on radio for close to 10 years. On one of those years, within one of those years, he and his wife paid for the whole year. I'm talking about close to 10,000 Ghana cities every month on radio. I teach on two uh, uh, FM stations. One is the sister station of Star in Accra. And you know Star. You don't go to Star with peanuts. The other is the sister of uh, uh, Sunny FM. I teach on those stations in Kwanzaa. For almost 10 years. Somebody who is sending the gospel across, he may not know much verses, but his money is sending the gospel across. Why should he go? You see, some people, they don't go early. May you become one of those people. That's why David stayed for a long time. David stayed for a long time. When he was going, he had enjoyed his life. When Paul was going, he had enjoyed his life. In fact, Paul at a point was contemplating. He said, I don't know whether I should go or I should stay. 
I don't know whether I should go. Oh, go to Philippians. Is there? Say, I don't know whether I should go or I should stay. But to stay is better for you. So I choose to stay. Listen, make yourself a valuable asset to God. Be valuable to God. Be valuable. Supernatural favor. And then again, long life. Somebody say long life. I'm already there. Long life. Long life. When you are of value. I have not met any good manager or CEO who will easily fire his most valuable employee. No, no, no. Sometimes some of them can be arrogant, but you still endure it. Because you know you need them. Am I communicating here? You need them. When you are that valuable, witches cannot touch your life. You see, you are, you are anointing yourself with a jungle. You are anointing yourself with, listen, every time. But the more you anoint yourself, the more you have dreams of death. The more you see yourself in casket and all of this, there is a way not to see all of those foolish visions. Make yourself valuable to God. Make yourself valuable to God. When your life comes into a realm where for you to live is Christ and to die is gain, you don't die early. Am I complicating here? When you come to a place where your life for me to live is Christ, most of us are living for ourselves. You are just living for yourself. Living for yourself. When you want a nice car, you can buy it quickly. But help us finish the temple of God. That one, your, your investment. Listen, I'm speaking to you. God is speaking to some of you that are investment that may have to be closed between now and December so we can finish this project. I'm not communicating to somebody here. And for as many as the Spirit of God prompts you and you take that initiative... Unless I'm not called of God. Unless I have not been sent by God to you. Unless your pastor is not ordained to function in this puppet. You'll be shocked. Within, in the period of six months to one year. What God, my God, and the God of this house would do in your life. You'll be amazed at it. I pray that you have the faith to receive it. I pray that you have the faith to command it. In the mighty name of Jesus. That's all. There's something God has specifically spoken to me about your work. And I'll do it with your pastor. Maybe he will tell you later. Because God didn't tell me to tell you. Praise God. But when, it, when he, he, I tell you, he will have to tell you. Praise God. There is some unusual grace I see God put upon the church. Unusual grace. For sweatless triumph and supernatural speed. In accomplishing great things, but in record time. I speak to you as I'm, I'm not those prophets who prophesy like that. Praise God. But I hear the voice of God. I know God. I have a relationship with God. When God speaks to me, I know it. Praise God. Yeah. What God spoke to me about, the circumstance and the timing I'm in, I won't do it if God has not spoken to me. Praise God. But I am just doing it to let you know that there is a certain season. Something supernatural is shifting for you. I didn't come to this conference for you. I came for me. Praise God. And if you can open up yourself and receive what the Spirit of God is saying. It's a matter of six months to one year. Six months to one year. I don't know how. And I don't know how it will be done. But God of miracles, signs and wonders. He will do it again and again. He will do it again and again. He will do it again and again. And next year, by the grace of God, if Jesus has not been raptured, if we have not been raptured, 
and I am to be invited again, you will share your testimony on this altar with tears. Can somebody give me a believing amen? amen. Give me a believing amen. amen. I close with generational blessings. Somebody say generational blessings. Say generational blessings. Generational. 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 Generational blessings. <laughs> Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. I'll close with that. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Mandebo He said, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is a man that feareth the Lord, that delighted greatly in his commandment. King James, that delighted greatly in his commandment. Okay, let's maintain this one. Go, go back to, I think I saw something I like. The New Living Translation there. He said, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. He says, verse 3, they, they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Their generation. Listen, we are not talking about something you will die and leave your children. I tell people all the time, let your greatest legacy for your children not be money, not be education, but a knowledge of the fact that serving God and being all out for God is the most greatest asset in life. Let it be your greatest asset. Because no matter how much money you give anybody, if God is not at the center of it, everything will fall apart. No matter the quality of education you give a person, if God is not in his heart, he can still be the worst of persons. Do you know that David, after resisting God's resistance from preventing him from building the temple, and he went ahead to build it, God pronounced blessings on him that outlasted his time and his generation. Let's look at this and I close with that. Mondo Kosha First Samuel chapter 7, I close. First Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 16. Whoa. Okay. Let's do 15 and 16. No living translation. 15. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from his sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me all time. And your children will be sure, will be secured forever. Somebody say forever. Say forever. Let me tell you, there are things you do God can forget, but not things you do that relates to his body. There are things you do God can forget, but not things you do that relates to his body. Praise God. When Jesus was about to die, and that's why I close, there was a woman by the name, you can find that story when you go in the book of Mark chapter 14. There's a woman who came with a precious ointment alabaster box and broke it. And they say, what a waste. What a waste. Like sometimes God will speak to you. Drop a particular seed as this project is going on and your mind will be telling you this is wasteful. Somebody will hear about it and say, ah, now I don't want to this kayana. What a waste. What a waste. How can you close an investment that is about to get so much dividends for you? What a waste. But the Bible said the woman took it and broke it. And the disciples said, what a waste. Jesus said, what an investment. While the disciples were crying, what a waste. Jesus was saying, what an investment. Why? 
Jesus said, what she has done will be a memorial unto all generations. Somebody say a memorial. See, there are things that remain with God as a memorial. Every time God looks at it, he sees you. When you are not there, he sees your children. When you are not, your children are not there, he sees your children's children. There are investments we make. Look, Solomon messed up, but God kept him on the throne. Rehoboam messed up, God kept him on the throne. Yesterday night, I showed you a man who also messed up. But God said, because of your father, they be sick. Because of your father, they be sick. What was unique about David? What made David so uh, undeletable from the memory of God? It was because David had an affection for God and he demonstrated that practically by making heavy investment, particularly by telling God, one, you need a house. Two, I'm going to build it. And then he built it for God. When he finished, God says, the deal is done. Even if you don't like every generation, in every generation, your name will be mentioned. I pray that you will join that group of people. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm not talking about your name becoming immortalized in this church. Because this church, when we are raptured, we won't carry it with us. But when your name is immortalized in the kingdom of heaven, the annals of heaven, every day when you get there, the Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name. In that you have labored to the saints and you continue to minister. In the book of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it said, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, be steadfast, be steadfast, be steadfast, unmovable. Sometimes you are challenged, things are tough for you. But in this work, be steadfast. Somebody say, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Whatever pledge you have made commitment to do, make sure you stick with it. Whatever God is telling you to do, make sure you stick with it. Be steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of God. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Every investment you shall make in this assignment in this season, I speak, I stand on this exalted altar and I join my faith with your pastor and I declare it shall speak for you. It shall answer in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So it shall be in your life. Lift up your hands to God. Stand on your feet. 